It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay him but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast with the Rain and Jays. Today it's me, Jay King from MassLive.com with my man Sam Jam Packard. Today's episode of the Locked On Celtics podcast, we've got Marcus Smart's development. We're going to take a deep dive into everything he has done after the last three games, which have kind of been illuminating with Isaiah Thomas out and Smart playing a lot of point guard, really doing a nice job running the offense. We're going to talk about where he's progressed, where he's stalled, and what he needs to do, and his fit on the Celtics, which can at times be a little strange. Toward the end of the episode, we are going to get into Jalen Brown's last several games, which have been very promising, and the the opportunity he's had as well with Thomas out and more minutes available on the perimeter. And then we have a PSA to Celtics fans, a PSA, a message Celtics fans need to hear. Okay, let's start with Smart, though, because Smart is at times a polarizing character. He shoots like a blindfolded orangutan at times. <laughs> he he flops like like I don't even like there's nobody on earth who flops like Marcus Smart as violently as Marcus Smart does. He takes a, a an act that is by definition passive and he makes it violent, which he's, is, he aggressively flops. Yeah. <laughs> So let, let's start with, with his defense because obviously that is his most impressive area and really the area that got him onto the court as a rookie, got him onto the court last year, has turned him into a winning player even though a lot of his offensive skills lagged behind, especially earlier in his career. Obviously, everybody knows he's a good defender. He's a very versatile defender. One thing I do want to point out is that his versatility, I, I think in, in a way it's kind of – limited the Celtics or hurt them just just a little bit because 
you know, most shooting guards, most point guards, they guard shooting guards and point guards. And coaches are forced to play an actual small forward. Now with Smart, because of his physicality, because he can move up positions, and he's great at it. For a 6'3", 6'4", guy, he is incredible at defending 6'7", guys, 6'8", guys. You know, we saw what he did against Paul Millsap. We've seen what he's done against Porzingis. He's great at that. He's probably the best guard in the league at guarding up. But when he does that and the Celtics have their super small lineup with either Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas or Terry Rozier and Isaiah Thomas or whatever combination of those guys, the Celtics have have really been hurt defensively. So I think in a way, they, they used Marcus's versatility as a crutch and failed to fill out the rest of the roster. You know, Gerald Green hasn't panned out. Jalen Brown's still a rookie, and he's still figuring things out. So there, there, there's not a lot of depth uh, as you look at that roster, uh, as you look, you know, and, and Marcus Smart, his ability to play small forward, yes, it's fantastic, but it, in a way I, I think it, it's hurt this Celtics team. No, I would agree. Just because Marcus Smart is very, very good at playing up doesn't mean you wouldn't rather have someone who's six seven, six eight guarding the the small forward position. Uh, it's kind of been something we didn't really consider in the off season when we were talking about um, what the Celtics were going to miss without Evan Turner. But Evan Turner was is kind of that six six. I don't even know how tall he is. I'm guessing he's from somewhere from six six, six to seven six seven. Six seven, but he was the reason he got so much playing time last year is one, yeah, that he was pretty good with the ball in his hands, but two, he had that um defensive versatility and his ability to guard and switch onto multiple positions, and he had size and length. So just because Marcus Smart is very good at playing up, I would totally agree with you. It doesn't mean that that's the ideal uh situation for for the Celtics. You'd much rather have someone be able to step in and you're right those three guard lineups we've talked about it pretty much all year have gotten destroyed um and so it's been interesting to see uh especially with Isaiah Thomas out Marcus Smart has definitely filled uh filled in as the primary point guard and the Celtics did a lot better and I think a lot of the one of the main reasons they lost the game against the Thunders was Jay Crowder fouled out and then they didn't really have that um that wing depth that they needed to fill in Jalen Brown had some nice moments, but they had to turn to another three guard lineup of like Rozier, Bradley and smart. And it didn't, it doesn't really work out for them. So I would agree with you that his, his ability to play up maybe uh, hurting the Celtics in the long run, just because they may be over reliant on that skill set where he really is a natural fit as someone who's guarding other, um, other guards. Now something that's interesting, uh, I think it was on the Dunked On podcast. They're they're going through. They're talking. They're fifteen and uh, sixty. They talk about every team in the Eastern Conference, and they mentioned that Marcus Smart uh, doesn't have the ability to guard kind of the smaller, quicker point guard. And that just kind of shocked me because I feel like Marcus Smart can pretty much guard any one or two in the NBA. It was kind of surprising to hear. I think it was Nate Duncan who said that. I didn't actually listen to the podcast, full disclosure. So I'm getting this entirely from uh, Danger Cart, uh, his Twitter. I, I did listen to that, and it was said, and it was pretty much verbatim to what you said. I do disagree with that to an extent. I, I mean, you saw what he did against Russell Westbrook. I thought in the half court the Celtics were fantastic against Russell Westbrook last night. 
we're recording this on Monday afternoon. But I, I do think shifty guys like Kyrie Irving give him trouble. Like the yeah, but no one can guard Kyrie Irving. <laughs> agreed. But I, I think, like, exam, for example, Avery Bradley is better at, at staying in front of those quick guards. Well, Avery Bradley's also one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. I mean, it feels like it's kind of like a very much nitpicking Marcus Smart's game if, you, if you're calling him out for not being a card, like guard Kyrie and then comparing him to Avery Bradley. I'm with you there. But uh, now the last few games we've seen Marcus Smart as a point guard, and it, it raises the question of whether his the ideal fit for him on a basketball court, which is probably him playing point guard all the time, is the best fit for the Celtics because obviously they have Isaiah Thomas and he's going to play 33 to 34 minutes a game. And even though he can work off ball and he can thrive off ball and he, he's been really good off ball at times, there's, he's still going to have the ball in his hands a lot of the time. And Marcus Smart in the spot-up situations just isn't as good. You know, his, his shooting is still miserable. His scoring from all over is, is still really hasn't progressed at all the way you wanted to. I looked on basketballreference.com today. From zero to three feet and in, he is shooting 45.5%, which is just abominable. Like, that is miserable. He's not getting to the free throw line. I think that is one area that theoretically he should be able to do. He's this big, strong guy, but he lacks that burst that I think the the really top point guards have, and and that is that has really hindered him in in getting to the free throw line and and being able to to finish in the paint. Now the still at the same time he has been able to kind of establish himself I think as a growing point guard and as a capable point guard and he's done it kind of differently from a lot of guys but he, he's shown the. The, the off the dribble, the more hesitation. He, he's patiently getting into the paint. You know, the last three games with Isaiah Thomas out, the Celtics have played against the Magic, which were at the time a top 10 defense until the Celtics shredded them. And then the Thunder, which have close to an elite defense. And the Raptors, which are about an average defense, but can kind of ratchet it up and, and get better than that at times. And with Smart on the court, the Celtics have scored 112 points per 100 possessions compared to 92 points per 100 possessions with him off the court. And 112 is a huge number, a great number. That means they are scoring very, very efficiently with him on the court. And now the drop-off is partially because without Isaiah Thomas, the Celtics don't really have another point guard behind Smart. You know, you look at Terry Rozier, he's not quite there yet right now. He's He's more of an off-ball guy, a shooter, a finisher. I think that 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 play against the Thunder, which was kind of kind of comical, you know, he, he he got into the it was late in the game. I think they were up four. He got into the paint, kind of got lost. There was nowhere to go. He circled around, dribbled straight into Al Horford. Horford was like, "What the hell is going on?" So confused, didn't know where to go. Rozier, I think he tried to wave him off, but Horford didn't go anywhere. Rozier just kind of spun back around and made something out of nothing. But it was just the over-dribbling, the, the lack of a real idea of what he wanted to do with the play. And I think the lack of properly reading plays at all times have all kind of hindered Rozier's progress as a point guard. And obviously he's had a promising second season in a lot of ways. He's taken a lot of strides 
from where he was as a rookie, there are reasons why the Celtics play him despite having other quality point guards like Thomas and Smart and another quality guard in Avery Bradley. But, you know, Smart is clearly the point guard of the the best point guard on the second unit and really has done a great job with the offense when Isaiah Thomas is out now. We've talked about stats. With, with Marcus Smart in the starting lineup, it's still a tiny sample size, just a 38-minute sample size. But that group is scoring 126 points per 100 possessions, which is that would blow away the Golden State Warriors for the best offense this season, blow away everybody for the best offense of all time if that was an actual team's number. So with Marcus Smart in that starting lineup, they have really scored at a great rate. And again, they've done it against teams that have good or better defenses. So Smart... With Smart at the point guard, the team has really played well offensively. And again, it begs the question of how does he fit? And is there a good fit? Can you make a fit happen with him and Isaiah Thomas? And then also with Avery Bradley, who's the Celtics' second-leading scorer and another more than capable on-ball defender, one of the best on-ball defenders in the league, so how do you make it all work? Can you make it all work? And, like, I, I don't know. Brad Stevens has, has a tough job, I think, because three of his best players are all 6'3 and below. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. Yeah, the, the thing that really stuck out to me is there is you just talked about how amazing the Celtics offense has been with Marcus Smart and then also talked about how he has no ability to score. So <laughs> it has to be doing something right, and that's something that's kind of stood out. Uh, I know John Corrales is uh, kind of the leader of this campaign, but Marcus Smart can pass. Um, it's definitely something that's stuck out, to, especially in these last three games without Isaiah, but just his ability to play make and um, – make kind of the uh, the great pass and just the very like solid passes out of the out of the pick and roll the pocket pass it's something we've seen uh, like Avery Bradley struggle with has been very impressive so I think it's a good question about fit because you don't really want Isaiah he's good off ball but you also want the ball in Isaiah's uh, hands most of the time so it's like if you're going to play them together how do you get the most value out of that lineup uh it's it's kind of a question of maybe you kind of go to Marcus in crunch time and have him be, or no, maybe you go to Isaiah in crunch time and have him be the primary ball handler maybe in the fourth quarter, but then earlier in the game you put it more in Marcus's hands. It kind of may, begs the question of is, is this a long-term fit for the Celtics? Can you kind of go um, and have both of these players? Because eventually Marcus Smart's gonna, going to be a starter in the NBA uh, and you're going to have some positional redundancy. I don't know if it lends itself to maybe dealing one of the players, and I think it would probably you would probably want Isaiah Thomas over Marcus Smart just because we talked about Marcus Smart can't really score. But 
he does make such an impact on winning that it's he deserves to be in the lineup, especially in crunch time. So I don't know what the answer is if you're Brad Stevens because I don't think Marcus is best served as a as a small forward kind of as he's been used. But I definitely don't want to take the ball out of Isaiah's hands, especially in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I think I think we saw that down the stretch against the Thunder. You know, it seemed like they tried to force Marcus into a scorer, and when they did that, he didn't really know what to do. He left his feet a couple times in the paint. He clearly it was like almost Rondoian, where he was going into the paint, and instead of taking layups like decent layups, he was looking to pass no matter what. And team, teams will catch on to that because he's not a good scorer in the paint. And he's not an efficient scorer in the paint. So if he's driving a pass, then you can turn him into a passer and guard the passing lanes. And and they, they really shut down the Celtics in the fourth quarter. And again, which is when Isaiah Thomas has been ridiculous this season. He, he's been one of the best fourth quarter scorers. He's been so efficient. Their offense has been, for the most part, amazing during the fourth quarter. But a lot of that has to do with Thomas and his ability. So, yeah, the, the fifth thing is, is tough for me because obviously Stevens has, has tried to go with the IT and D lineup when Thomas is healthy down, down crunch time. And, and that group has, has just not held its own defensively. So I think Stevens will get to a point where he has to finally decide, okay, look, I've given this enough of a, of a chance, and we can't just throw out our five best players. We're going to have to throw out a lineup that works. And I think ultimately they'll, they'll revert to some lineup that only has two of those guards, whether it's Marcus Smart and Isaiah Thomas or Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley with Jay Crowder at the three and probably you know Kelly Olenek, Al Horford, whoever it is, but two legitimate big guys because otherwise the, the defense just isn't good enough down the stretch. So that, that fit is, is, is really interesting. Smart's shot selection, let's talk about that because – I I I feel like it's gotten a little better this year, and, and maybe it's because he's playing point guard more often, and he is handling the ball more often. I feel like he hasn't had quite as many head scratches, but there's still like it's almost like every time he makes a three pointer, it doesn't matter if he's missed three or four in a row. The next time he catches the ball and is remotely open, it is go- going up. Like there there was a span against Oklahoma City. Where he, he caught on the left corner, hit a corner three. By the way, he is shooting nine for twenty one on corner three pointers, which is forty two point nine percent. Now that's a tiny sample size, but for the most part, corner threes are catch and shoot looks. Those are reasonably open looks for the most part if you're shooting them. And you know, forty two point nine percent. So there there are like a little little bits and pieces that suggest maybe he is getting better as a shooter, but the numbers just haven't borne that out because he is still taking a lot of tough shots, a lot of bad shots, a lot of shots that someone of his shooting ability should not be taking. Um, but anyway, I, I feel like he's gotten slightly better. But still, it's like there's there's very there aren't many places that he has scored efficiently. I, I think from ten to sixteen feet, he's shooting just about in the mid 40% range, which is which is good. You know, that pull-up jumper he's had, and part of it is because guys are leaving him wide open for it. They're begging him to take it. But he's, he's done a nice job of, of hitting that. He, he looks really comfortable, I think, pulling up for, for shots like that. So, I mean, there's still just 
from a scoring standpoint, he leaves so much to be desired. And, and he hasn't made any of the strides. And I think what's frustrating is that you, he, all he needs to do is become a league average shooter. If Marcus Smart becomes a league average shooter from, from the paint, from three-point range, from everything else, he is going to be an incredible player because he's a plus rebounder for a point guard. He can guard so many guys. He makes all these winning plays for you. He does. He makes the extra pass. He's become a, a really good at reading the pick and rolls. He does so much for you. He just can't score. And the the fact that he's stalled out has been. I, I th- at this point, you know, you don't want to say he's he will never escape that ceiling where right now it's like he can do everything but shoot and score but those are big deals and someone brought this up to me the other day that he thought Marcus Smart would be like like Tony Allen with point guard skills which kind of makes sense as a comparison I guess I I mean I don't know and and Tony Allen knew not to shoot most of the time but but Marcus does not Marcus Marcus keeps firing away. He 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 has confidence. If nobody else has confidence in that jump shot, he has confidence in it, man. Yeah, I have no idea. Like, maybe he's better in terms of shot selection, but that's just because his first two seasons he was so atrocious. He still takes a lot of kind of off-the-dribble threes early in the shot clock that are just super frustrating. And you're right. He's one of the guys who just loves the heat check. If he makes one, let alone if he makes two in a row, you know you're doomed for just a dumb Marcus Smart three. Um, I think the Tony Allen comparison is actually pretty good because if you could have Tony Allen with uh, Marcus Smart's ability to pass, that's a heck of a player, and that's a starter on a – I would say a starter on a a team that can contend. I think we need to institute a rule for Marcus that he can only do catch-and-shoot threes from now on because there's so many times where he's – it feels like it's just kind of dribbling uh, around the three-point line and goes, oh, I got no- nothing's in front of me, so I might as well shoot the ball. And you're right, he just doesn't have the talent. No matter how many times in the offseason he works on his mechanics um, and no matter how many stories we hear about how this is the year he's finally going to fix it, I just don't haven't seen any incremental improvement in his shooting ability. Um, he, I, You mentioned before kind of his dribbling to the basket and looking to pass I think that's something that needs to to change. It's he feels like the type of like big bodied guy who'd be able to finish strong around the rim or at least draw contact. But it seems like when he's not looking to pass and when he does actually try to score, he's looking like too much for contact and kind of I don't know, maybe this is just a over oversimplification of things, but maybe looking too much for contact and because of his reputation as a flopper and because of his kind of He's not going to get the call most of the times, but if he's searching out contact and then not getting the call, his efficiency around the rim is going to be terrible, and that's kind of what we've seen so far. Um, Another thing that I think is interesting is that if you want Marcus Smart to play less as a a small forward, that means you're going to need Jalen Brown to kind of step up because right now Marcus Smart is effectively the Celtics' backup point guard and the backup small forward. And Brown has looked very good over the past three or four games, but it's unclear if he's kind of a long-term solution there. So if you're going to try and change Marcus Smart's role to be just the backup point guard, 
you're going to need a solution that's not named Gerald Green. And it looks like Jalen Brown could be that guy, but I just don't know if Brad Stevens has the kind of the full faith in him as of yet. Yeah. And and you go back to Marcus Smart. I, I want to touch on one last thing with Marcus. Before Bro, I just it. had the best transition to Jalen Brown. You're going to like just slap that, me. Was, it was a money transition. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm really sorry. Hopefully you can. All right. I'll spit, another, I'll spit another one. Give me your last Marcus take. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I just I was I just want to say one more thing that I think he's gotten a lot better at is that little floater. And it. According to basketballreference.com, he is shooting 47% from 3 to 10-foot range, which is a huge, huge, huge improvement over what he's done in past years. And I think a lot of that is he has that little like floater over the top that he didn't have in, in past years. At least he, he didn't make it a lot in past years. So I, I, like th- there, are, there are places he's made strides. There are places he just hasn't. His true shooting percentage right now is – a career low which is mind-boggling considering where he has been in the past the fact that he hasn't raised that at all is is kind of stunning his free throw rate is the worst of his career so he's he's drawing free throws less than he ever has with the ball in his hands more more often it, it just that that doesn't make any sense like and I, th- I think what you said about him trying to look for contact is probably smart. He just doesn't get enough separation at the hoop because he's not this freak athlete like a lot of other guys are that he just doesn't doesn't get that that those calls. And so he just has a lot of strides to go as a score. Everywhere else he's he's made strides. Jalen Brown. Jalen you know, Brown, man. That you know was, who is a freak athlete? It's you know, Jalen Brown. There you go. I should I should have let you make that transition. Uh, so yeah, J- Jalen Brown, man. Look, what is he up to? Like five games in a row now that that he's been helpful. That he's had solid rotation minutes in like five games in a row, where it's just you can point to him and he said he made a positive impact on this game. Baby steps, baby steps. Yeah, no, like that. That's a really positive thing for a guy who just turned twenty and is a rookie and is playing all of a sudden a, a regular, consistent role for a playoff team. That is very impressive for him to do, and especially with the the as weak as this draft class has looked, at least early on in in these guys these young guys' careers. The fact that Jalen Brown has made such a positive impact, you know, it it's, speaks well to the scouting the Celtics did and the choice they made. Obviously, Jamal Murray has had a really strong start in Denver, but you know, you look at Jalen Brown and the potential he's shown, and not not just the potential, but all of a sudden the the productivity has has started to to be pretty impressive too. He had some awesome minutes against Oklahoma City in the fourth quarter, and and that's starting to look like like at least a defensible draft pick to everybody and 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 maybe you know who who knows what he'll develop into but maybe a lot better than that and i really think his playing well and getting more minutes will help the kind of figure out kind of the rotation mets moving forward and help the celtics avoid uh those three guard lineups because it just it just helps to have more wing depth because right now jay crowder is really the only guy on the wing who's a true wing. Uh, so if you have another guy out there who's six eight and kind of can guard both the three and the four and can play that small ball four, uh, it's just going to be helpful moving forward. And I think it's something as 
that Brad Stevens uh, has to be happy about uh, just so he can avoid those three-guard lineups. Have, any, has, have you asked him about um, kind of how bad his three-guard lineups have been recently? Because it seems like it, it's something he would have a – if only we knew someone who could ask him direct questions about the Celtics. Yeah, yeah. so he, he kind of just says that that group ha- has the potential to be really a powerhouse offensively, which, like, I understand why he uses those groups because if if you can even get stops at a reasonable level, then those are going to be really successful groups. But the, the problem is the Celtics just haven't gotten stops. So what he says is basically, you know, those guys are five of our best players, and so we're going to play them. And hopefully we can get stops and get rebounds so that the offense can be enough. So I, I think he knows that they're not going to be like this studly defensive group, even though there are a lot of plus defenders individually in those lineups. Just the, the mix doesn't, doesn't work. They're just too small. They have to scramble too much to, to rebound properly. So I, I, I don't know how much of a leash he has left for those groups. But obviously, he, he's tried to make them work. And like you said, I think a big part of that has been behind Jay Crowder. They just don't have other wing wing size. You know, Jalen Brown is the one. If, if he can establish himself as a guy that Stevens can trust, that could go a long way toward, toward boosting the Celtics' defense and lifting their consistency and all that. Because really, you know, if, if you look at – if you break down everything – We've, we've stressed this so much, and we probably sound like people are probably so annoyed of hearing this, but those three-guard lineups have just struggled. They have, and, and the Celtics need, you know, they need more size. They need Jalen Brown specifically. I think, I mean, when you look at Gerald Green, I don't think he has the capability anymore to be a legitimate rotation player in the NBA. So Jalen Brown, like, there's a lot of pressure on him, I think, to, to separate himself and to continue – the stretch that he's on this this productive stretch because really like on their current roster he is their only option behind Jay Crowder for a wing with size and when Crowder when Crowder got into foul trouble against Oklahoma City you know they played really well when Jalen Brown was in there but then Crowder fouled out and they went to a three-guard lineup and they got decimated down the stretch by Russell Westbrook who had 10 points over the last six minutes so it's it's a dilemma for Stevens. It's it's been one of the defining struggles I think of the Celtics season so far. They're 13 and 11 right now. They're behind the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks in the Eastern Conference. Sam, what do you want to tell Celtics fans? Celtics fans, people on Twitter who like to get angry, Michael Felger, Tony Maserati, uh just chill out, man. Just chill out. The Celtics are going to be okay. They have only played four games, four games with their full roster. And yes, I know it's frustrating. Yes, I know that this is like Al Horford should have made that layup. And they probably should have won the game on um, against the Thunder. They really probably should have won the game against the Raptors. But it is very early on in the season. And they're going to figure it out. Brad Stevens is the type of coach where he's still early on tinkers with his roster and he needs to figure out the right combinations. But we cannot have the entirety of Celtics Twitter freaking out after every bad loss. Just just chill out, man. It's just like people saying that you need to make trades immediately. 
that we need to cut this guy. Just dismissing that Isaiah Thomas is an even good player. It's just, come on, guys. It's Trust the process. I know I'm living in Philadelphia now, and maybe that's been kind of <laughs> put in my blood, but you just got to – sometimes bad losses happen. Sometimes Al Horford's going to miss that layup against Houston, but the Celtics still are very – talented basketball team and you have to have faith that they're going to put it together and I know it's more fun to kind of bitch and moan and complain after uh, individual losses but kind of the building blocks are there and the pieces are there but we just really haven't seen this team get on like hit their stride when they're fully healthy so people need to calm down people just need to yes you can be frustrated by the individual loss but Let's not go on like multi-thread rants. Let's just just chill out. Just chill out. I feel like the expectations have turned people crazy. Like Isaiah Thomas misses. He missed the first game he missed in literally two plus years, and the Celtics win a blowout. And people are people are like they're better without Isaiah Thomas. The ball doesn't move. <laughs> Everybody, woo sa. Woo! <laughs> Let's relax. You know, yes, they lost a tough one against Toronto, and yes, they lost another tough one against the Thunder, and maybe they should be on a three-game winning streak without Isaiah Thomas. But you know, I I think Stevens is starting to get a a better handle on things. Smart, really playing well as a as a lead guard. Jalen Brown starting to play consistently well, which is important, especially given the fact that the Celtics need someone to establish himself as a, a quality backup small forward who deserves minutes and, and is able to keep those lineups bigger. So there's a lot of good things happening here. Al Horford just as advertised. Isaiah Thomas, still a mighty, mighty offensive player. Kelly Olynyk, sweet, sweet positional defense. <laughs> exactly there's 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 a lot good going on here and and when you look at it like the Celtics starting lineup still outscoring teams by 11.2 points per 100 possessions that's huge that's one of the best high volume lineups in the entire NBA so everybody relax this team is still what we thought it was we just haven't seen this team too much of the time yet and obviously you know you don't want you don't want teams to take excuses, and they're taking these losses hard. They're not giving themselves excuses, but the fact of the matter is they've been they've been missing an all-star now for half their games, whether it's Al Horford or Isaiah Thomas. So, And then they've had Jay Crowder out for eight games. They've had Smart out, Olenek out multiple games. So let's, let's give this team a chance to find itself. Let's give this team a chance to discover itself and... Let's let's see what happens. Let's trust the process. Shout out to Sam Hinkie. Shout out to Joel Embiid. Shout out to Shirley Temples. <laughs> and I think that's it. Let's let's end with Shirley Temples, man. Let's let's end with trusting the process. That's it for this episode of the Locked On Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
you've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10 to 10 10 select styles only. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.